The Gospel according to Luke, the ninth chapter, beginning to read at the twenty-third verse. And Jesus said to all, If any would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake, he will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory, in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste of death before they see the kingdom of God. Amen and amen. What does it mean to be human? What does it mean to be human? It probably means at 11.35 on a dark Sunday morning when you're in church, you sit down and when the lights are turned down, you begin to fall asleep. That's not what it means. It means something far more than that, but that's a very difficult, difficult question to answer. What does it mean to be human? Philosophers have been playing around with that question for a long, long time. Politicians are playing around with it now. That's the question, you know, that got former Governor Jimmy Carter into trouble when he was being interviewed by the editors of Playboy. I haven't read the article, but if the account that I have is correct, you see, he was a little uptight and a little concerned. Some people thought that his being born again and being a reborn Christian, they didn't quite understand that and they were afraid what it meant and he felt that he had to bring some peace to their fears. So he went into what is really an answer of what it means to be human. And as a result, he gave some answers to some questions which he said Friday night he wished he had never said. That's the delicacy of this question. What does it mean to be human? Now, the Bible tries to answer that question. And the Bible's answer is summarized in the life and teaching of Jesus Christ. The belief being that if you follow the commands of Jesus, if you believe in him as the Savior of sin and the Lord of your life, if you are willing to follow the leading of his Holy Spirit, you will come by the time of your death to a complete understanding of what it means to be human. Now, a lot of people don't understand that. And today it is my attempt, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, to try to help to interpret 
that basic understanding which is the carnal nut of New Testament theology. And I've tried to put it in three phrases that I hope will be able to be used in your memory and which will help in bringing understanding to what I think is the biblical interpretation of what it means to be human. And the first is, to be human is to be a sinner and to know it. To be a sinner and to know it. You see, sin is one of those words which is slowly evaporating from the English vocabulary. It is one we don't even use in church much anymore. It took a psychiatrist by the name of Carl Menninger to, to point up in a book that he wrote several years ago the reality that we're not talking enough about this in either the spiritual or the physical world. His book was entitled, What Has Become of Sin? We tend, according to his thesis, and I agree, to rationalize this particular reality and call it by different names. We say that people are not sinners, they're just really maladjusted. We can blame it on their heredity or on their environment. We like to think of them maybe as being people who break laws, man-made laws, but really they're not sinners, we say, because they really don't understand too many of the laws of God. We try to excuse it on the grounds of sickness and call some particular things like orneriness and self-centeredness and selfishness sickness rather than sin. Fortunately, in churches that really care, and I think those who know the Old and New Testament, we are having a rebirth today of an understanding of sin. And best we must, for without sin, and the realization that you and I are sinners, we have no hope for understanding humanity. Now that may seem rather strange, but nevertheless, it's true. It's when we see ourselves and know ourselves to have fallen short of the glory of God, of being with everyone else a sinner, that we begin to release the potential and the purpose for which God has created us, and that is to be human beings. God did not create us to be God. He did not create us to be divine. He created us to be humans. But throughout all of life, you and I are tempted to try to be God. I'm sure some can argue, but again, I feel that Genesis 3 is trying to tell us that we are people who have been born with the ability to try and take the place of God. And when we refuse to be the creation and try to be the creator, when we forget that we are the clay and that he is the potter, when we think that he can resign and we can take over knowing what is best for you, for me, and for everybody else, then this is when we are in competition with God and not trying to be human, 
the reason for which we were created, that when we are trying to run competition with our Creator, each one of us has that tendency. That's what makes it original sin. And we play that game, and some people play it throughout life. But sooner or later, if we come to the recognition that we were not made to be divine, but human, if we come to the realization that we can't run the world and we're knocking our heads off trying to do so, when we realize that we are the creations and not the creator, then we begin to understand the purpose of Jesus Christ. And we realize that we have to be born anew not in a surgical ward, but rather in a spiritual dimension. And that by the power of his Holy Spirit, we can be born again, this time being led in our humanity and putting aside our divinity. But even when we are saved, the temptation is always with us, always trying to get us to play the part of God. And it owes only when we put on by the power of his Holy Spirit the mind of Christ within us that we are with able, we are able to withstand the temptation to again revert to that position of trying to play God. You see, there are only three reasons, ladies and gentlemen, why people are not converted to Christianity. The first is that they have not had the opportunity yet to hear the message that Jesus is the Son of God and the Savior of sin. Or secondly, they have heard the message, but they just don't believe that Jesus can save us from sin, nor is he the perfect example of what man is to be like. Or thirdly, which I think is worse, we don't enhance and accept Christ into our lives because we really don't think we have a need of him. And we rob ourselves of salvation because we don't know, first, we are sinners. I hope this does not come as too big of a shock to you. But most of us who think humanistic philosophy and not biblical philosophy the Bible does not have nearly as high an estimate of mankind as we would like it to have. You realize that? Oh, we're the crown of all God's creation. You learned that in Bethel, and that's right. We're made a little less lower than the angels. But still, God's interpretation of man is not as high as some of us would like to believe it is. I had this drawn home to me when we were in the midst of the Watergate scandals, and like many of you, I was distressed and disgruntled. I felt betrayed, and I was pouring my heart out in confidence once to a fellow minister when we were in the midst of that supposedly scandal that rocked the world. And he says, what's wrong with you, Dick? I said, I'm shocked. I'm hurt. I feel betrayed. I'm surprised. He said, shocked, you may be. Disappointed, you ought to be. Disgruntled, yes, you ought to be, but amazed and surprised. No, Dick, I'm surprised that you came this retort from a very wise biblical teacher. He said, you're a man of the book. 
If you know the book and on every page it is pointed out that man is a sinner, why would you be surprised to believe that people can do what they've been accused of doing? And that's right. Sometimes we build ourselves up to a fall, you see, when we ignore the fact of sin and that every one of us has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And if one of us says that he has no sin, he's a liar. And the truth is not in him. You can't become human unless you've tried to become like God and have failed and realize that the sin of trying to play God has brought you to the moment of humanity. Secondly, we are human when we have emotion and show it. You see, we have sin and know it, have emotion and show it. And this is another difficult thing that we try to hide in our lives, our human emotions. God, you see, in creating us, being our creator, he's given us a body, he's given us a mind, he's given us a spirit, and all of these things, he brings from them what we can call human emotions or human feelings. And when man begins to die, be it man or woman, or when your humanity begins to die, I personally think it is the emotion that is about the last thing that is to leave this earth. But you see, we're frightened of these emotions. We don't feel that it's right to show it. Let me illustrate. When was the last time some of you grown men told your grown sons that you loved them? Or when was the last time some of you grown sons said to your grown fathers, who are grandfathers now, Dad, I love you? Some of you mothers, when was the last time you said to your grown daughters, who now have their own children, Daughter, I love you? Or when was the last time some of you daughters felt childish enough to say to your mothers who are now grandmothers, Mom, I love you. Oh, we say we can't do that. They know it. And we're afraid to publicly express our emotion for fear of what other people might think. Last night I was watching the Mary... Tyler Moore show. Maybe some of you saw it. It was about this thing called sensitivity. When they came to a realization that maybe in the busy world they were not taking time, not taking time to one another in that office express the emotion of love, concern, and appreciation. And they ended up doing what you and I do, apologizing for feeling human emotion. There's quite a commentary on the way we live. We say that we're born to laugh and born for a time to weep. When was the last time you weeped openly? 
Most of us, when we feel ourselves filling up with emotion, we grab for a handkerchief and hide our face, or we get out of the room as quickly as possible. And when we come back in, what's the first thing we do? We apologize for the human emotion of breaking down and crying. We have emotion, but we're afraid to show it. We have questions in the church. But we're afraid to ask them for fear people will think that we don't understand or know or maybe we're a little heretical. Our bodies are racked with pain. Our minds are being tortured with lack of sleep and suffering. Our souls are lonesome. And then somebody says, how are you? And we smile and say, fine. And we become liars. And we deny our humanity. When we deny our humanity, you see, we're less than the human beings that God created us to be. Why, oh, yes, we can carry it overboard. Nobody likes to listen to somebody's belly aching all the time as how sick he or she is. We don't like to appear weak, and I think that's probably a pretty good emotion. But ladies and gentlemen, we can't really get on in the human world if you and I keep claiming that we are not human when we deny the emotions that we have. See, Jesus never denied his emotions. He controlled his passions, but he did not deny his emotions. When Jesus' best friend died, the Bible said Jesus wept openly. When Jesus went to parties, he had a good time, so much so that he was accused of being a wine-bibber. When Jesus thought he was going to die, he went to prayer and he asked God, Please, let this cup pass from me. And no place was Jesus more human than he was on the cross when in pain, suffering, and in the midst of accusation, he felt that God had forsaken him and he did not say with a whisper, but as scripture said, cried out, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is, my God, my God, why? We are human when we have emotion and show it. And thirdly, when we have a life and we're willing to let it go, when we have a life and we're willing to let it go, this is when we are human. As I deal with people, I find, especially in middle age, two emotions which frighten the living daylights out of any of us. One is regret, and the other is resentment. First, regret. Regret not so much what we have done, but rather, especially in the middle years, regret for what we have not done and resentment for the fact that we feel submerged, trapped, 
hot. We feel like the whole world is passing us by and we are being robbed of our humanity. We somehow think that no matter what place we are in or what situation we are involved, there's something out there that is greater, something that is better. And then consequently we begin to run faster, climb higher, go deeper, get more busy. Thinking that if we only do that, we're going to catch up with our humanity. That thing that we feel we are being cheated in life in which we resent the fact that we are. It's a very real emotion, and those two emotions cannot be lily cast aside. If you haven't had them, you probably don't know what we're talking about, but they're real. Resentment and regret. They come to housewives, they come to business executives, they come to people who feel that life is more than what they know. It's a horrible sensation. I believe the scripture answers that feeling though when it says that you don't find humanity by running faster, flying higher, going deeper or studying more. But rather you find it by claiming the fact that you are human. And as human beings, resentment, regret are a part of the human emotion. And you begin to realize that God has not left you nor forsaken you, but that God is there, that you are a work of art and that God is the artist and that God has something in store for you even though you may not recognize it at the present time. And your happiness is not going out and trying to save your life, but in losing it. For whosoever will lose his life for my sake and the Gospels, he's going to find it. But if you try to save your life, you're going to lose it. Being human means that we are sinners and know it, have emotion and show it, have a life and are willing to let go of it. God did not create us to take his place. He created us to be the most beautiful, great, wonderful things that he's ever created. Human beings. Ladies and gentlemen, I ask God's blessing to be upon you. As you think about this sermon, as you search the scriptures, and as you try to find the greatest joy you can have in life, and that is in being a human being. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Father, please help us. We live in a complex world where we seem to make it even more complicated. Give to us the simplicities of your word, the value of your truth, and help us, please, Father, to apply these to our lives so that we are the people, the humans, that you created us to be. 
And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of his Holy Spirit be and abide with you all now and forevermore. Amen.